Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where economic developers from across the country spill their secrets to our host, Nicole D'Souza. You'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how deals come together or how deals go bad. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets. Welcome to Economic Development Secrets. This month's special guest is Matt Wavering, Director of Project Development at the Rockwall EDC. Today, Matt discusses balancing out their historical perception of being a bedroom community while also feeling the flex of rapid growth. Matt also discusses their workforce development efforts by means of an annual job fair, and he shares the economics behind their mission to attract primary employment and investment in Rockwall. You won't want to miss this information-packed episode. Let's jump right in to Matt's economic development secrets. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us today on Economic Development Secrets. Hi, Nicole. My pleasure. Great. Can you start out by telling the audience a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. So I was uh, I was born and raised in central Illinois, uh, Champaign to be to be exact. Uh, Champaign, for those who know, is a Big Ten college town home to the University of Illinois and uh, so after high school I went to um, community college in Champaign studied business and later transferred to the University of Illinois and uh, earned my degree in economics um, I was that weird kid that sat in the front row of econ classes uh, rather than falling asleep like most of my classmates I actually engaged and was interested in the, in the subject at hand so I suppose <laughs> I'm in a in a good profession now yeah that's a good sign right <laughs> well can you tell us a little bit about the community that you serve sure sure so um, let me before I before I go to that let me tell you um, what I did after I guess immediately after college I, uh, I well, in my last year, I interned with a commercial commercial real estate firm, and uh, they told me, "Hey, go get your license. We'll pay for it, and uh, finish up your degree, and then we'd like to hire you." So my first career was in commercial real estate. So I was in uh, sales and uh, property management and asset management and uh, development. I just learned a lot about the industry and uh, did very very well. Uh, moved up into management and. Uh, in that time, when I moved up into management, I uh, had a client who encouraged me to go and volunteer for the local um, in Champaign. It was a Champaign County Economic Development Corporation. It was a, a, a joint venture or a, a public-private partnership, as as many are in the Midwest. And uh, I got involved in on a jobs committee and retention committee. Uh, volunteered there for I think uh, five or six years, and then. Uh, the board came to me one day and said, hey, we need another board member and we'd like, well, we, we've all unanimously selected you. <laughs> so uh, I served as a, a board member on my local EDC then for uh, a couple of years before I relocated to Texas. So I think that's somewhat unique in my field that I uh, am now a staff member for a community. But prior to that, I have experience as a board member making decisions, working with uh, the staff uh, there in Champaign. And so that was my first yeah first dabbling into economic development. And I think That's because of my background, place. yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, the only reason I left was honestly, because at that point uh, we were ready, my wife and I and my kids ready to relocate. And um, if you, if you read economics or if you read finance or the news at all, especially 
uh, six, seven years ago. You heard nothing but great things about Texas and uh, North, Tex North Texas specifically. So we relocated to North Texas in 2014. And uh, then in 2017, so now it's been a little over two years, I was hired for uh, my position at the Rockwell Economic Development Corporation. And uh, Rockwall, for those who do not know, is a suburb of Dallas. We're about uh, 25 miles east of downtown Dallas. And uh, we are adjacent to the beautiful uh, Lake Ray Hubbard, which is uh, a water reservoir for the city of Dallas. But it sort of makes our community a little bit unique in that we in that we have a uh, we have a shore, we have a shoreline, we have a um, we have a lake that separates us from the rest of the metroplex. So uh, many residents tell me that they really like the fact that they can, if they're commuting, they can commute across the bridge on I-30 into Rockwall, and they, they feel a sigh of relief when they uh, when they make it to the bridge because they realize they've they've made it to Rockwall, they're out of the hustle and bustle, and uh, they can relax at home. That's wonderful. Yeah, I've been to Rockwall before too. It's really nice going over the bridge, seeing the lighthouse, the water. I mean, it's so picturesque. It's very beautiful. Exactly. Of course, that that lifestyle, uh, having a nice bedroom community, uh, does cost money. Uh, there's an excellent school district. The Rockwall ISD is an A-rated school district. Um, it, it spans a good portion of Rockwall County. And uh, for those who don't know, Rockwall County is the smallest county in the state of Texas. So by geography, it's very small. Uh, there's a little under 100,000 residents in Rockwall County. It's growing fast, of course, as many suburban communities in Texas are. Uh, we have about 45,000 people in Rockwall today in the city of Rockwall, and there's a couple other small communities that are um, also in that school district. But uh, uh, part of that is the burden 20 years ago on the average single-family homeowner was fairly high, and that uh, property taxes were the the main method of funding all of these services and of course the schools and um, some people way smarter than me at that time proposed putting together the Rockwall EDC and it was a, a voter referendum in 1996 and so the voters voted uh, here in Texas we have uh, what's, what's called the Economic Development Corporation Act which allows communities to put in place a sales tax so in, in Rockwall uh, one half cent of all sales tax from sales and services, products and services sold in the city of Rockwall go to fund the Rockwall EDC. And then we then use those funds to attract primary employment to Rockwall. And those primary employers who are generally uh, large manufacturers and corporate headquarters, those companies build very large buildings, employ a lot of people, and they pay a lot of taxes. And so uh, part of that balancing act of the ability to have the great community uh, is to bring corporations, to bring manufacturers, employers who can help uh, reduce that burden on those taxpayers. So. Wonderful. Thank you. What do you think some of the strengths of your organization are? Well, I think we have a great board. Um, may sound like I'm kissing up to them, but I really think so. We They have a lot of diverse backgrounds. So we've, we have uh, individuals that have real estate backgrounds, law, engineering, construction, development, um, and a couple of military, uh, career military background. So I think the diversity helps. Um, that way no one's on a one-track mind. Everyone has a different opinion, something to add to the to the conversation. I also really like the our aut autonomy. We have some bit of autonomy. We, we are not um, officed in City Hall. We have a separate office. 
inside the Rockwall Technology Park, where a lot of our companies are and a lot of the land we develop is located. And uh, we have a very good relationship with the city. So we like to consider ourselves more like cousins or sisters to the city, but but not necessarily part of the city of Rockwall itself. And that that autonomy and that relationship, that positive relationship, I think allows us to focus on what we do best and allows City Hall to focus on what they need to do. And uh, the positive relationship um, helps us to get uh, the final product being, uh, you know, delivering high quality employers to Rockwall. That's wonderful. Well, moving right along, can you please tell us about your workforce development efforts, including the Rockwall Job Fair? Yes. In fact, the Rockwall Job Fair is something I'd be happy to talk about a lot because it was uh, somewhat of a, my baby, my brainchild. I, I wouldn't say it was my idea, actually, Nicole. Let me back up. Uh, <laughs> in, in 2017, I was holding what we called industry roundtables. And um, the primary employers in Rockwall, they vary. There's a lot of good, solid, mid-sized companies, but we don't have one major industry. So in other words, uh, you know, we don't have a major meatpacking plant or, uh, you know, the old mill uh, where 40% where of the residents work. We have uh, L3 Technologies, which is a defense contractor. Uh, they employ a lot. We have uh, Whitmore, which produces industrial lubricants. We have three companies engaged in metal fabrication. We have several more in plastics and packaging. Um, a company here, SBR Packaging, makes uh, plastic bags uh, for uh, soil and mulch and ice and a number of agricult agricultural products. Uh, Pratt Industry makes cardboard boxes for Walmart and Home Depot and Amazon, of course. Uh, and then one of our newest companies, Lollicup, produces a brand called Carrot, K-A-R-A-T, which is a uh, plastic food serving products, so cups and to-go containers. If you go to a Chili's restaurant in the area and you take get a to-go container, carrot will be stamped on the top and, and coming this year, it'll be produced in Texas and Rockwall, not in California as it was previously. So um, then we have some food manufacturers, Beanbow Bakeries, uh, Pegasus Foods is a, is a frozen packaged manufacturer. Anyway, it's a long story of telling you we have a lot of different industries here, and rather than targeting a particular uh, segment, I got them all together in the in the room at the same time, and I said, "Hey guys, what's what's your problem? What issues are you facing in your businesses?" And they and they all had very different, but all very similar problems, and a lot of that related to workforce. So we're talking 2017. Uh, the economy has ramped back up um, at most of the nation, and it's it's humming along very well in Texas. Unemployment's very, very low, and the challenge is simply finding individuals willing to apply for jobs. Um, you know, with a dozen companies sitting at a table with me, they were representing something like 80, 90, maybe even 100 or more jobs that were available that were going unfilled, not because um, they didn't want to fill them, but simply because they couldn't find anyone to apply for them. And um, a couple questions came up. Some individuals, HR managers, asked me if we had ever considered holding a job fair. And although I was aware of job fairs that had been held individually by companies, uh, hiring events, I, had, I wasn't familiar with uh, any type of job fair that was on a, held on a community basis. So I started asking some questions and one thing led to another and, and I said, well, how about we host a job fair? <laughs> and they said, that would be great. 
many of these HR directors had attended job fairs throughout the Metroplex. Uh, they might attend one in the mid cities or say Irving and they might identify some great candidates at that job fair, but once they get to the point of, uh, of talking to that applicant and explaining where the job was, a lot of times that's where the conversation stopped because if you know anything about the mm -hmm. Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, if you live on the west side of the Metroplex and you have to drive clear over to the east side of the Metroplex, you might have just uh, added a two-hour commute or maybe a three-hour commute uh, round trip to your your daily work. And so I don't think yeah. that's the, the quality of life a lot of individuals are looking for. And <laughs> so that's why these uh, HR managers said, hey, how about a local job fair, a Rockwall job fair for Rockwall employers. And so I, I obliged. It wasn't something that I had uh, experience doing in the past, but I said, hey, we can figure it out. And uh, what I think was really interesting in my fact-finding mission, I about a week or two after that meeting, I had a meeting with a local church. It was a large church in Rockwall, um, very large building, uh, very prominent in the community. It's a, it's a sort of a community gathering place for many. And I met with one of the pastors there who's in charge of a uh, jobs ministry that they have at that church. And he said, you know, Matt, we have a lot of individuals who some of them might be sort of down and out and they're, they're working uh, to get their life back in order. But um, many individuals here are just looking for work and, and boy, there's just no jobs. And I laughed out loud and I said, well, uh, actually, Steve, I just had a meeting last week with a dozen employers who all said, Matt, we have a ton of jobs and we can't find anybody. So it sounds like we need to marry these two things together. And wow, that's I love it really when that happens. Perfect. It was just by mistake. It made it look like it was it was my idea, but it wasn't that the church immediately said, well, look, if you're considering having a job fair in Rockwall, we would be honored for you to have it here at our church. We'll provide the facilities for your service. We'll provide volunteers. Uh, coffee and water for all the all the visitors, and we'd we'd be happy to have them. So um, that's how it got kicked off. And uh, December of 2017, we held the first annual Rockwell Job Fair. It was uh, only open for employers in the city of Rockwall. We had about a dozen companies uh, pay for booths, and we had roughly 400 job seekers show up. And some of these job seekers did not have jobs, but many of them did. They were just maybe looking for a, a career move or a, a step up. Uh, maybe they were underemployed or maybe they were tired of commuting 45 minutes for their job. So so they showed up and um, it went really, really well. The feedback was, was outstanding. Uh, a lot of employers told me that they took over 100 applications at that event. So to me, it was, uh, it was perfect. It, it feels really good as an economic developer to have a company say, hey, you did what you said you were going to do, and it was awesome, and, and we're really happy with the hires we made, or to see a job seeker with uh, you know, tears in their eyes, high-fiving you that they just got a job offer and they haven't had one in months, and they're so excited about the opportunity. So uh, that was great. Uh, you know, Long story short, we, we decided to make that an annual event, so we, we held it again in September of 2018. Uh, we had a very good turnout. We opened it up more to uh, the, the county of Rockwall. So employers that were in uh, Rockwall County, we had about 25 show up for that one and another 400 plus job seekers show up. And of course, uh, now we're, we're in the midst of planning for the 2019 event. Wow, that's incredible. Way to go. I mean, how awesome that one, something materializes 
I mean, I'm not going to say easily, but, you know, so perfectly that, you know, you have the people, the interest and also the location and that you had such a great turnout. That's incredible. Yeah, things really came together for us. And, and I tell other economic developers, this is sort of a back to basics approach. Workforce development doesn't have to be super difficult. Uh, you know, I don't have to go out there and find find a 12 year old who might be interested in becoming an engineer and, and sending him to college and going to get his, his uh, advanced degree and, and landing him a job. Uh, you know, workforce development can be as simple as, hey, uh, here's a group of people who have a problem, employers who need to find people to fill positions. Here's another group of people who are looking for jobs. Let's put those together and talk to some community individuals, uh, some organizations who wanna help out and you'd be surprised what you can accomplish with just making that connection. Wonderful. Well, just out of curiosity, what day have you held this on? Is it like a Saturday? Is it an evening, a weekday? We did it on a Friday, the first year. And mm -hmm. I think the event was from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the feedback I got from the companies was that it was just too darn long. Uh, they were on their feet for a long time. Uh, it, a company that only has one or two recruiters or HR individuals, they might have spent the entire day there on their feet without a mm. break. And, and uh, you know, they had lines at their booths, which was great. They didn't want to give that up, but at the same time, Absolutely. they felt like towards the end, maybe it died down. So so year two, okay. uh, we, we stuck with Friday, but we shortened it up. Uh, it was more of a five hour event. And that, that's what we're going to do again this year. Okay, great. Yeah, I was just wondering logistically, you know, what you found to be the best day and everything, I, and where yeah, people can I, come and make time and everything. So. That's right. You you have to do it during business hours for the companies, but you also mm -hmm. have to do it at an accessible time where, where somebody could take a day off or half a day yeah. off. They could come during their lunch break. Right. And uh, of course, I asked lots of questions. I didn't just make up Friday to begin with. I, uh, <laughs> I called I called other communities and other economic developers who had been in this business a lot longer. And, and uh, you know, again, this is not a novel idea. It's not new. Uh, others had had job fairs in the past. Many do it all the time. And I just said, hey, when's the best day? When do you think it's the best day? What's the best time? How much should we charge for the for the uh, employers? What other tips do you have? And so I, I learned, I leaned on a lot of individuals to help me get that information. Wonderful. Well, moving to a different thing that you've worked on, activity. Um, can you please tell us about the Rockwall Technology Park? Yes, the technology park to me is a big part of what attracted me to this job. We essentially, the Rockwall Technology Park is, uh, is today about a 400 acre light industrial business park. And the light industrial zoning in Rockwall allows for uh, corporate office, uh, light industrial manufacturing, research and development, that type of, of business. So it, it's perfect for the primary employer we're attracting to Rockwall. Um, but that group of individuals that founded the organization bought the first roughly 200 acres back in the late 90s and then put infrastructure in. They did it in advance. It was, uh, it was pretty progressive for a community of that size uh, back in 1999 to, to spend that money to bond, uh, put out a bond election, buy the land, install the infrastructure. But they really knew what they were doing at that time. And since then, the park has expanded to uh, 400 acres. And we have some additional land that we're planning to put some infrastructure in um, next year. But the technology park, I, I think the greatest advantage we have is it's speed to market. These days, site selectors are constantly asking for us to deliver the undeliverable. And, and by that, I simply mean, we'll get an RFP that says such and such company or uh, project code name such and such is is looking for 20 acres shovel ready 
and they want to put a shovel in the ground in 45 days <laughs> and they want to be up and operational in, in six months and I realize that sometimes those numbers are unrealistic and sometimes they do too but the community that can get the closest to that is generally the community that's going to win those type of projects so the fact that we have sewer and water and power and gas right out there on site on the curb the roads are in place the street lights are there we have covenants and restrictions that protect investments of all these large companies there's uh, daily maintenance we have uh, maintenance contracts we have entry features and uh, you know monument signs and flags it, it really does look like a premier business park and on top of that, you can deliver that land very quickly. The REDC actually owns the undeveloped land and we're able to, to utilize that as a carrot uh, to attract companies to Rockwall. And we can use uh, land discounts as, as incentives along with some cash grants to get uh, companies to select the technology park. Um, so for me, it was perfect because uh, a guy with a commercial real estate background, a guy with a development background, I could marry that with my experience on the board of directors at the Champaign County EDC, put that in Texas and Rockwall where we have a lot going on and, um, and, and help the staff here and help our board to understand, uh, you know, the ins and outs of real estate and how, how, how that relates to attracting, attracting companies to Rockwall. There's about 16 complete buildings here in the tech park. And the reason I say complete is because uh, I'm staring out the window. Our office is in the technology park. And I, I look out the window today and there is a building under construction, about a 220,000 square foot uh, manufacturing headquarters that's under construction. And we have another one that will be under construction very shortly. Uh, that land sale is uh, slated to close this week and begin construction immediately. There's roughly 18 companies that uh, call the technology park home. Most of them are uh, single users, uh, owner occupants, but there are a few buildings that have some, uh, some additional excess space in them that are leased by some other smaller, smaller companies, office tenants or, or, or secondary employers that uh, provide a service to some of those primary employers that are here. Very neat. That's awesome that you have the space available, but how cool also to be watching as all of this changes. And I'm sure you've seen so much change just since you've started um, at the Rockwall ADC, right? And um, yeah. what a proud moment. That's really awesome. For sure. It's, it's the best part of the job, Nicole, because uh, yeah. I've been here for just over two years. Uh, when I got here, one building was under construction. We had an infrastructure project, uh, a regional detention pond that we were working on. Um, it doesn't sound that exciting for some people, but for me, it really was to see the completion of these these tilt wall buildings that that seemingly come to come together like an erector set overnight. It's pretty impressive. And then we've had uh, another large one completed since then. I, I mentioned Lolly Cup USA. They built a 650,000 square foot manufacturing facility, and uh, it was their first facility, their first manufacturing facility that is outside of California. And it's just massive. It's it's the largest structure we have in Rockwall, and it's the largest um, now largest building and one of the largest taxpayers in the county. Very neat. How cool. Well, and I think too for economic developers, I mean that's just the coolest part of the job. That and then directly helping people and providing that assistance. So um, how neat. Can you please discuss the economics behind your mission to attract primary employment and investment to Rockwell? I'm so excited that you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, when I first got into economic development, on, well, on the board side, but more so on the staff side uh, as a career, I, asked, I often asked the question to some colleagues and, uh, and, and others that I met at state conferences and uh, 
you know, other TEDC, for example, I asked them, you know, when does the economics come into play when we talk about economic development? And the reason I asked that question is not because it, there is no economics involved, but simply we don't talk about it. There's not a lot of discussion involved about the economics. And, and I realize I may be strange in that I do have a, a passion for and an interest in and a background uh, education in economics, but uh, it's not something that gets talked about very often among in, in economic development circles. And so I think what it's important for for individuals working in an economic development career to understand what it is they do, why is why it is they do it, and and what the effects of that are, and and actually that's a big part of why I like Impact Data Source. So you know this is a little plug for you, but um, Impact Data Source helps to il illustrate that multiple multiplier effect that some of these primary employers will bring. So the way I explain it to uh, stakeholders and individuals who are outside of our uh, echo chamber is uh, primary employers. Those are the companies that uh, a vast majority of the income, the, the products and the services that they are producing are, are being exported out of the area. So in this case, the area being Rockwell County, the products are moving statewide or regionally or uh, nationwide or in, in many cases worldwide. And therefore, the, the money that's being injected into the local community is coming from outside that area. And that the effect of that, the multiplier effect there can be um, judged. It can be, you can look at it through impact data source, first of all, but each different industry and each job that's being done by those individual industries has a different multiplier effect. And those multiplier effects will um, ramp up the number of secondary and tertiary employers that might trail that primary employer. So a secondary employer essentially is the type of company that would serve the primary employer. So I mentioned earlier that we have a lot of companies engaged in metal fabrication. So we have a company here, Special Products and Manufacturing, uh, SPM for short. SPM, one of their clients is uh, is Tesla. They make a uh, Tesla makes a wall battery pack that goes into your garage and it uh, is charged up by their solar roof. Tesla is known a little bit more for their cars and maybe their rockets and some other things uh, that Elon Musk does. But one of the products they have is the solar roof and it uh, charges a battery uh, that chart that then powers the house. That battery is wrapped in a in a prototype case that was produced in Rockwell, Texas by SPM. Now, in order to do that, SPM had to order that metal. And so a, a secondary employer might be the company that supplied that metal or the rivets for it, uh, or the products used in the welding, uh, the supplies used, the software used to design the AutoCAD uh, uh, diagrams for that particular product. Lastly, there's the tertiary employers. And, and that's simply when that welder at SPM uh, gets in his car and heads home, he might stop and grab some fast food or some Subway, or he might uh, stop and do some shopping on his way home. Those tertiary employers are those service providers, those retailers, those restaurants. They would not exist if it wasn't for the individuals who who have uh, who are earning an income in and around Rockwall and, and the residents who live here. So those are it's a it's a waterfall effect. When you bring in those primary employers, that that company, such as Lollicup, uh, they might have 200 employees, but they're bringing another several dozen employees that are related to a 
secondary employer, and that might be a, a service provider for Lollicup. And then further, there's dozens of uh, individuals who are hired to work at those restaurants and those retailers to help serve those customers that are produced because of that, what I like to call, quote, breadwinner jobs. Those breadwinner jobs are those career jobs that, uh, you know, whether it's an entry-level job or it's a, uh, um, you know, specialized career at a manufacturer, it's a type of job where you could you can work there for 20, 30 years and you can raise help raise a family there. So those breadwinner jobs trickle down and they produce a lot of other employment in Rockwall. And uh, to me, it helps create a sustainable community. We are a suburb of Dallas. We were a bedroom community, but we are beginning to develop beyond a simple bedroom community and become a little bit more reliant so that we, we don't have to rely on Dallas. We don't have to rely on uh, commuting to those areas. Um, we, we still do have a lot of commuters in Rockwall. Uh, so I've seen numbers that say as high as 85% of uh, residents in Rockwall commute for their jobs. and one of the challenges with a growing community is is things like traffic for example and uh, one of the ways you can mitigate traffic is you can build more more roads and more lanes but uh, it seems to me that every time we build more roads they just uh, fill up with more people and more cars uh, another way to get cars off the road is to is to is to bring employment to your residents so they no longer have to commute so rather than hopping in the car and driving to dallas or to north dallas or collin county um, our local residents can work here locally and, and the jobs and the careers that they're interested in, they can be close to home, they can be close to their kids, they can be close to their kids' school, they can actually make the, the kids' uh, baseball game, t-ball game after school, after work. And uh, I think that's a quality of life issue. And uh, so that's, that's one of the things that, uh, that's why I think that attracting primary employment is so important. You can, you can bring jobs to the community, but you're also, as, as I alluded to earlier, bringing tax value, you're helping to reduce the burden on the single family homeowner who sees their taxes go up every year. And uh, when these large employers can come in and employ portions of the community, but they can also help pay those taxes and help pay for those schools and pay for the police and fire and the roads and, and Rockwall. I, I think that to me, that really puts a, ties a bow on our careers uh, as economic developers. I absolutely agree, and that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. So Rockwall has historically been a bedroom community, but the community has come a long way, and like you mentioned earlier, is really growing rapidly. So how do you and the EDC balance the historical perception of you know being a bedroom community while also continuing this rapid growth? Yeah, well, part of that is is the traffic and the you know, adding the tax value to lessen the burden for our, our local community stakeholders uh, that I mentioned earlier. But um, more specifically, uh, we just actually had a project here that we've been working on for the past several months that that really required some community engagement. And this was an existing company in Rockwall that is a manufacturer, employs about 160 employees today and uh, wants to grow, wants to com continue growing. And they had purchased some property that was adjacent to a local residential community. And the property they purchased had been zoned industrial uh, forever, uh, something like 40 or 50 years. So, you know, long before my time at the, e at the EDC or uh, in Rockwall for that matter. But uh, this, so anyway, this community 
um, a small community, had very unique homes. It's a very, it's a beautiful neighborhood. And uh, in fact, I, I like it myself. I, lo I love the unique homes there. It's not your, it's not your traditional uh, tract home type community that you see pop up uh, in the suburbs, but fairly unique craftsman style homes. And, and the neighbors there are very proud of their, of their homes. And I can certainly understand that. Um, of course, they did purchase property. They purchased homes next to an industrial area. And I don't mean just raw, vacant industrial land, but I mean there was a, a aluminum extruding factory who, that had been there for, again, 40 or 50 years. And that plant had sort of been uh, down, you know, phasing down its operations and eliminating some operations over the years. But uh, the company that we were engaged in purchased that property and was planning some redevelopment there. And um, part of that required a special use permit because this particular company's manufacturing process utilizes um, plastic extruders, which uh, require a tall ceiling height. And recognizing that the development code uh, allows for 60 foot tall buildings, but not 100 foot tall buildings, this company proposed a special use permit from the city of Rockwall. And many of the residents were were initially upset, first because they probably didn't have all the facts at hand, but uh, secondly, because they said, hey, you know, this is a great, this is a great neighborhood. I love my house here, but now I'm going to have this large building looming overhead um, right next to, right next door to our property. And, and that's not, we did not plan on that, you know? And so uh, that's part of that balancing act is, is reaching out to those uh, residents in that community in that neighborhood and saying hey look let us open your this company wants to open their doors come take a look at their operations meet their employees uh, meet the leadership team there understand what it is they do and let us help you to understand the economic impact that this company this current existing company has today but also the impact that this expansion will have on Rockwall you know this is we're doing this to help reduce your your overall taxes and to help keep those services those city services in place so uh, that was that was that balancing act we we wanted to support the company but at the same time we certainly understood the concerns from the community and what ended up happening was a, a bit of a give and a take and uh, you know we helped with some line of line of sight studies that helped the community to understand that in fact this building would not be looming you know uh, over their backyards it would actually be quite a distance away from their homes and and would would not be as noticeable as they might have thought and uh, and help them to understand the implications of, of turning down something like this where where a company might feel like they cannot expand or um, uh, they've grown as far as they can, or maybe they have to relocate because they're not able to grow in Rockwell further. So uh, that's a big part of, uh, of the balancing act. Uh, we work for the stakeholders, obviously. Our mission is to help these companies expand, but we have to sort of walk that fine line and help both companies and, and uh, the stakeholders. Very neat. Yeah, that's like economic development to the core. I mean, balancing out the residents versus the, the companies, the businesses there. That's incredible. I mean, for a very difficult and sensitive um, project like that. Uh, very cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. Wonderful. Well, Matt, I have a few wrap-up questions for you. Okay. The first one is, what is your biggest economic development secret to success for other economic developers out there listening? I would say I would give advice to a younger economic developer and, and simply say to to do your homework. Um, 
anticipate questions and concerns that stakeholders or your board of directors or your boss or your city council or whoever may have. Try to anticipate things, even if they don't come up. Be ready for it. Um, be an expert in your field. I think that's one of the things I learned in my in my prior career in, in commercial real estate was the guy who knew the most, who knew what was happening, the guy that could be relied on uh, for information, the guy who did what he said he was going to do tend to be the most successful. And I, I think I apply that to my economic development career as well. Um, the, the areas of my expertise in you know, economics and the finance and the real estate as they, re, as they relate to the Rockwell EDC, I try to stay up on those things. I, I listen to podcasts uh, on those topics. I I constantly read. I stay up on local, statewide, national, you know, politics and trends, and I try to I try to be an expert in my field. And I think if if everyone else tries to do that at the same time, uh, we have nothing but uh, a rising tide to raise all these boats. Wonderful. Uh, can you share some of the names of the different economic development resources that you use? Like uh, that you said that you know you stay up to date with all the information on, like blogs, podcasts. Um, what are some of those resources? Yeah, so I mean, I'm a member of uh, TEDC, Texas Economic Development Council. In fact, uh, shameless plug, they will be in Rockwall in June for their uh, midsummer conference. So I, I know I that a lot that. of that. Yes. How exciting for you guys! It is pretty exciting. I understand it's been here in the past, but it was uh, before I was in Rockwall, so I, I haven't experienced it. We we normally will travel to Houston or San Antonio. Um, you know, late, late last year it was in Fort Worth, so that wasn't too far of a drive for us. But uh, certainly will be nice to show off our community and um, see a lot of the colleagues that I see a couple times a year uh, in Rockwall, and then of course be able to sleep in my own bed at night. That's nice too. Um, it's always nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> TEDC is a, is a big resource for me, and then um, I, I just do a lot of reading, so I, I don't have a particular source uh, for for news or information. But uh, you know, just being understanding the companies that you're talking to. If you can understand, I, I'm not expected to know how to manufacture a product specifically, but I may know that uh, equipment's expensive and uh, equipment has to be maintained and, and finding individuals to work on that equipment, uh, it, it can be difficult at times. And so uh, understanding that before, before a company can raise that issue with me, uh, understanding that issue in advance and having a solution to address that problem before it is raised, I, I think that right there makes you an expert in your field. And so uh, reading up on just about anything you can, so you don't have to be an expert in, in everything, but if you at least understand other people's businesses and then you're an expert in economic development, then I think you're, you've got a leg up and, and that's just tend to be what I do. Wonderful, that's great advice, thank you. Well, and I saved the, the hardest question for last. The, the last question is, what is your favorite hobby? You know, I, I'm interested in cars and sports and a lot of a lot of things that a lot of people are interested in. But I, I would I'll pick out the one hobby that I have a lot of hobbies. If you ask my wife, uh, but one of the hobbies I have that's a little bit more unique is I uh, I'm really into aquariums, uh, freshwater aquariums to be specific. So um, you know I'm a fish guy and uh, I, I have three or four at home. I, I like maintaining them. I like building them. I like uh, uh, seeing how the plants grow and how the fish mature and that sort of thing. So that, it's sort of a, it's a relaxing uh, thing for me. It's a way to connect with nature a little bit, but it's also a way to build. Uh, so, you know, when I have that interest in leaving work, but still building something, I can do that in my aquarium. So that's, that's the weird hobby I have. 
Wonderful. That is so neat. That's a very cool hobby. And I have not heard that yet on the podcast. I ask everyone. So very, right. very unique. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Matt. Um, I really appreciate everything that you shared, and I know that our listeners will as well. And uh, if you're okay with it, I strongly encourage any of the listeners, if you have questions or just want to connect with Matt, please go ahead and connect with him. I'm sure you're more than welcome, more than happy to talk to people about um, any of the things you just spoke about and maybe even more things. So, um, but thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you being on the podcast. My pleasure. I, I really enjoyed it, Nicole. Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers. For more information on this podcast or to listen to past episodes, check out www.impactdatasource.com.